hello everyone welcome back uh to capes and japes um i hope uh, happy daylight savings time assuming you're in one of the places that observes it <laughs> um this this terrible terrible time uh <laughs> congratulations to people living in the state of arizona for not having to deal with this bullshit for not having to deal with this I'm sure there are other states, but that's the only one that I know off the top of my head. Yes. Because my grandparents live there, so like half yes. the year we our time matches my grandparents, and the other half of the year it doesn't match my grandparents. And as a child, uh, my brain averaged out the two, and it assumed that we were already always 30 minutes <laughs> different from Arizona. That would be fun. That would be just a fun little confusion <laughs> to tack imagine, on there. Can you imagine crossing a border and, like, it doesn't move an hour. It moves half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's now 1230. You're like, why? <laughs> why? Because you're in Arizona. Okay, but why? That doesn't answer my question. Uh, okay. So, uh, happy episode 201. We, you know, we talked about the X-Men as a group for our episode 200 special. Uh, and since we're on the subject, there's still a, a ton <laughs> of X-Men that we have not talked about. Um... So let's uh let let's touch on uh some more of these guys. Let's let's go let's go through a few more of them. We have throw a dart at the board, and... Olivia. <laughs> this one technically this is not from our X Men dartboard, Dang. which we do have. <laughs> um, but this X Men, this group of X Men that get counted as one X-Man, uh, was suggested by patron of the show, Sam. Uh, and it's, uh, the Stepford Cuckoos, who I do love, but I think they're, like, they're a character associated with Emma Frost, so I'm like, <clears throat> no choice but to stand. <laughs> as the kids say. Emma Frost and associates. Let's go. Exactly. Uh... So the Stepford Cuckoos, so technically their actual X-Men codename uh, is the five-in-one. They're initially a set of quintuplets, um, identical quintuplets. Don't like where um, this is going. Yes, and they're referred to as the five in one, and then it's it's X Men, and two of them die, so they go by the three in one. Um, the nickname the Stepford Cuckoos uh, comes from their last name is Cuckoo. Oh, I think that may have been retconned in after they were given the nickname i'm i'm not i i believe when they were introduced they were just called that and then later on they were like actually that is their real last name 
I thought you were gonna say that their last name was Stepford, and then like the the cuckoo's like the bird. <laughs> but yeah. So the thing is, where, where does Stepford would be... come from? Is it a place? Yes. Okay. So the the nickname initially is based on a combination of the Stepford Wives, which most people have heard of. I think it was a movie at some point, but it was it's a um sort of like science fiction novel about a uh woman who moves to a town where like all of the housewives who live there have like eerily identical mannerisms and her trying to figure out what's going on like oh are all these you know women like brainwashed are they robots like what's happening same woman um, <laughs> uh and the cuckoo's part comes from a different science fiction novel, an English novel called The Midwich Cuckoos, about a different <laughs> spooky town uh, where all of the women, like, simultaneously become pregnant and give birth to, like, a, a generation of children who are all like psychically like linked and have like telepathic powers um so hence that so the Stepford cuckoos are a group of what, identical what fun concepts to put into your children's comic yeah um the Stepford cuckoos are a group of identical young blonde women who are a psychic hive mind. So that's where those two references come in. Um, they were created by Grant Morrison, which does track. Grant Morrison, I want to see your bookshelf. Like, what? <laughs> what is what is going on over there, my friend? <laughs> um... Yes, so they were they were introduced uh, by Grant Morrison in uh, their run on New X Men in the early two thousands, and they're intended to be very unsettling. They like you know they all talk at the same time. They finish each other's sentences. Um, as mentioned, they're powerful telepaths who are all connected to each other. So their power is amplified when they're working together. Their connection is stronger, like the closer they are to each other physically. Um, they obviously, they can like communicate and share thoughts telepathically, like effortlessly uh and especially early on they're mostly just sort of written as basically functioning as one character although obviously when you introduce characters who share a hive mind the logical step to you know exploring this development is being like well what if they did have individual personalities so that starts 
becoming more of an element the longer that they're around. Um, so when they are introduced, uh, we don't know too much about them. Um, they start out as Emma Frost's, like, favorite students, her, like, personal protégés. Well, of course. <laughs> of course! Obviously! Emma Frost took one look at these creepy little telepaths and was like, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> these ones are mine. Thank you. I will handle this. Um... And they are in the, uh, in the same, um, like, class, X-Men class as, uh, Quentin Choir, another, uh, another Grant Morrison creation, and- <laughs> Thanks, Grant. Yeah, re re reluctant favorite <laughs> <laughs> here at Capes and Japes Industries. I love that little bastard. He I sucks. mean, just look at him. Like, what? Look at him! <laughs> it would be hard. Like, you just look at this character and you're like, ugh, Olivia and Briar, Capes and Japes are gonna love this one. <laughs> They're gonna fucking love this little shit. <laughs> um, so they, uh, and. Quentin are, like, the two major telepaths in this sort of X-Men generation, uh, and start out as rivals, and then, uh, Quentin, like, develops a sort of, a, a crush on the youngest one, Sophie, um, so, oh, for the record, their names are, um, <laughs> Celeste- Esme, Sophie, Phoebe, and Irma. Um, Which ones died? Sophie and Esme. Oh no. We'll get, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, in, so initially Grant Morrison named them uh, with the very subtle in-joke that their initials spell out spice, like the Spice Girls. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, but not all of them had their first names, like, given when they first showed up in Grant Morrison's run. So Irma um, was, like, uh, like the next writer who took over named Irma uh, Mindy because he wasn't aware that Grant Morrison had a name for her already. Um, <laughs> but it's Mindy spelled... With two E's at the end, M-I-N-D-E-E. -E. And for a very long time, I was like, Mindy? It's like a, is that a dumb, like, telepath, like, nickname? Like, what? <laughs> what? Um, and it this wasn't until... Irma, but we call her Mindy. Yeah, it wasn't until literally I was researching this that I was like, you know what? It's probably Mindy. <laughs> Like a like the name, like the the actual name that someone might have. Um, but so they do they do retcon in at some point. They're like Mindy is a nickname. Her real name is Irma. <laughs> Why? No one knows. But they were like Grant Morrison made this very silly Spice Girls joke. So I guess we have we have to retcon it back in. She's probably just like Irma. Sounds like 
a grandma's name. Please yeah. call me Mindy. <laughs> Why Mindy? I don't know. I saw I just, it in a cartoon. Just, yeah. Um, so one of the, um, storylines in Grant Morrison's run in- introduces this, like, mutant drug called Kick, and Quentin takes some of it, starts a riot at the school, <laughs> um, and Sophie, seeing this, um, sort of, like, more inspired to be, like, an X-Man, uh, also takes some, oh my um, God. yeah, <laughs> puts a stop to the riot, but ends up, uh, dying because the, the drug makes her overexert herself. Um, no! Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the other girls are obviously upset, um, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they are very upset with Quentin. Uh, they're also upset with Emma, who they feel like didn't do an adequate job protecting them and, like, kind of, you know, enabled Sophie to do this, like, reckless, like, attempted heroic thing. I mean, it was, like, she did, she did stop the riot and, like, succeeded. Um... But at at a great cost. Um, Was this and, Sophie's uh, choice? Yeah. It, yeah, hey! <laughs> Terrible. Thank you. Um, and they um, get revenge on Emma by telling Jean Grey that Emma is sleeping with Scott. <laughs> uh, so... All that drama, all that drama, which is just constantly unfolding in new iterations, like throughout all of X Men history. <laughs> just whatever is going on with Scott and Jean, and whoever else is involved with either one of them. Um, however, it's later revealed that uh, Emma and Quentin aren't necessarily even the ones most to blame for this because Esme, another one of the sisters, um, I don't, Sophie was the youngest and Celeste is the oldest. So she's somewhere in the middle. (laughs) Um, Esme has, um, been secretly working with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, um, with, with a, um, a a guy... (laughs) A guy called Zorn, who was written to be, if I'm understanding this correctly, was written to be Magneto in disguise, secretly. And then later was retconned to be a guy pretending to be Magneto in disguise. So, so complicated. (laughs) So just, um, I love when when you can clearly tell that, like, some writer was like, here's a guy. And some other writer was like, ooh, it's Magneto in disguise. And then some other writer was like, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> constantly, constantly happening. <laughs> and then it's just like, okay, so now we ended up with this guy who was pretending to be Magneto 
in disguise, which seems so complicated and terrible. All right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just keep unraveling these layers, baby. And then it was actually Magneto pretending to be a guy, pretending to be Magneto, pretending to be yeah. this other person. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's revealed that Esme um developed a romantic interest in Zorn and has been secretly working with him the whole time and may have kind of like seized control of the hive mind to influence Sophie to take the drugs that led to her death. And then she also influences the, um, the hive mind to, uh, attack Emma. They like shatter her like diamond form apart and she needs Jean to like telekinetically like reconstruct her and Esme runs off to join uh the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Emma tries to uh find her and get her back. Uh Zorn ends up killing her in a fit of evil rage. Uh and then Emma finds her, but uh she she dies like in Emma's arms and Emma's like I was always proudest of you and it's like yeah of course of course Emma you're proud of the evil one who sucks <laughs> um and she's like I hate you Emma I never want to be like you and then she dies um so fun stuff for Emma to process <laughs> um and now we are left with uh three remaining cuckoos uh, so they start, uh, going by the three and one, um, they join one of the new kind of, uh, new X-Men training squads, um, the Corsairs, cause Scott and Emma are, like, breaking the students up into, like, little, like, small training groups, and then in, like, the... Mid 2000s, there's two uh, X Men storylines written by Greg Pak called Phoenix End Song and Phoenix War Song, uh, focusing on the Phoenix Force. Um, in Phoenix End Song, the Phoenix Force comes to Earth looking for Jean. Um, Quentin tries to get it to. Uh, resurrect Sophie, um, but it doesn't work. Um, they fight the Phoenix Force, uh, and seemingly defeat it. Um, however, uh, in the follow-up story, uh, Phoenix War Song, it's revealed that a small part of the Phoenix Force has managed to attach itself to the, uh, remaining, um, Stepford Cuckoos. And they find out that it, like, builds, like, Emma figures out that there's, like, some sort of, like, psionic block, like, placed on them or around them that, like, just, like, psychically prevents people from questioning where like they came from like if anybody starts to think too hard about like what's the origin story of these spooky little triplets it just like cuts it off 
psychically. Um, <laughs> They're just thinking like, I wonder what their origin story is. Well, not gonna let that ruin my day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, through sort of the influence of this like segment of the Phoenix Force, um, they are led to this lab um, where they discover that they are uh, clones. Um, they are clones of Emma Frost. Wow. Um, well, not... <laughs> uh, probably so probably somebody, not somebody... Somebody was like, wow, these telepathic girls who all look the same and also are blonde and one of them turned evil really remind me of Emma Frost. <laughs> what if they were clones of Emma Frost? <laughs> I've got an idea. Bear with me here. Um, so they discover that they're, uh, clones of Emma. They're, they were, like, the director of this lab, like, collected, like, genetic material from Emma when she was in a coma at one point, and they discover that there are actually, like, uh, thousands more of them, uh, just, like, in stasis in this, uh, secret basement lab. And they are able to, uh, over the course of this story, are able to, like, channel the, uh, hive mind power of all of the other clones to become, like, extremely powerful, especially given that, uh, what Celeste specifically has this, like, piece of Phoenix Force attached to her. Um, and it's, like, they find out that they were, like, originally created to be weapons, that this is part of, like, the Weapon X program, and that, uh, they were, like, sent to, uh, collect data on the X-Men, and the Phoenix Force is trying to stop them from using their power to, like, uh, basically destroy mutants. And they're, like, uh, evil, the evil scientist in charge of this lab, his name is fucking, it's something, it's John Sublime, um. Okay. Yeah, the, who's, like, the leader of, like, the Weapon X program at this point, um, is, like, trying to, like, control them, uh, into using their power to destroy mutants to, like, telepathically, like, lock on to and eliminate, like, this specific, like, mutant brainwave pattern. And, uh, Celeste tapping into the sort of, uh, phoenix power is able to wrestle control of the hive mind away, uh, from... Dr. Sublime, um, and, uh, the sort of, like, unleashed Phoenix Force destroys the rest of the clones. Um, the, uh, the girls do get from this, they get Emma's diamond power, which 
presumably they always had as like clones of her. They just hadn't like tapped into it yet. And uh, they reabsorbed the Phoenix Force and like managed to contain it by uh, trapping it in their hearts and uh, turning their hearts into diamond, which uh, means that it is like the Phoenix Force is trapped there forever, but now because their hearts are made of diamond, they can't feel emotions. Um, rip? Rip. Which, like, metaphorically, I love and it's very fun. Um, it is not, it is, it is not how hearts work, to be clear. Uh, that's not, that's not how it works, but I do enjoy the aesthetic of it, so... I'm willing to let it go. You get a pass this time, comics. (laughs) Yeah, you get a pass this time because I love these spooky, psychic, diamond teens. Um, They do, um, I think after this point, they start uh, referring to Emma as mother. Depending sort of on the writer and also where their relationship with Emma stands at any given point in time. Um, I think they're in also, they're in one of the, oh, what's that X-Men show? Gifted? Um, there, there's three of them in Gifted and they're just written, they're, I think they're just straight up, like, just Emma's kids. Like, their last name is Frost. Like, um, but they, uh, so the, the, Three of them just kind of hang around for a while, getting, just honestly, they've only gotten spookier now that they were already, like, kind of, like, weird and detached, as is probably bound to happen when you're part of, like, a psychic hive mind and you, like, (laughs) communicate, uh, with people very differently than you would communicate with your, you know, psychically linked identical siblings. Um, they only kind of get more ominous and spooky when they have, like, deliberately prevented themselves from feeling, uh, emotion. Um, they do help, uh, David, uh, prodigy, friend of the show, um, after he, uh, he loses his powers after House of M. They help him, like, they're able to psychically give him some of the knowledge that he had back, even though he doesn't have his powers anymore. Um, they keep their powers in House of M. Again, very statistically unlikely. (laughs) But sure. Um, Wanda's like, I respect you. (laughs) Listen, these three, they've been through enough. No more mutants, except for these ones. These ones are chill, actually. These ones are, uh, my friends. Um, over time, um, they start to kind of develop more distinct personalities. They start, um, like, dressing differently, whereas before they, uh, were all identical um Irma um gets like a different haircut which uh Celeste is kind of like 
stressed about because she doesn't like want them to be uh like grow apart um i think i think two of them get like i think irma does first and then maybe phoebe also gets a new a new haircut so they look slightly different and also less like just teen emma frosts just three teen emma frosts um they're on utopia one of the you know one of the x-men sovereign nations that inevitably ended badly um and they start uh getting like bored and like hassling all the other students and emma uh like gives them a job teaching so that they will have something to do and on the one hand probably you shouldn't make very hostile young people into teachers but also (laughs) that's what happened with emma (laughs) and it did have a positive influence on her so i guess maybe she's like this this will help this is what helps I just love how they're just like, why? We need a telepathic instructor, but all of them are so weird. <laughs> why are they all like this? All <laughs> telepaths. Um, Esme and Sophie uh, briefly come back from the dead during a chaos war where there's like a, um, some stuff. It's like sort of sort of an Asgard-centric, like, Thor and Hercules storyline. So, like, something happens and, like, the realms of death get messed up and a bunch of X-Men come back from the dead and form a team of dead X-Men. But they, uh, at the end of the storyline, they go back to being dead. Not, uh, not permanently. (laughs) Um... Spoilers. Um, they uh, have some more, like, there's some more kind of growth and, like, you know, becoming their own people among them um, when there's the uh, schism, when, like, Logan leaves Utopia and takes a bunch of X-Men with him and then a bunch of them stay on Utopia with Scott. There's, like, kind of... Uh, discord between the three of them as to where they should go and then ultimately they decide to stay on utopia because quentin is going with logan and they're like we hate that guy (laughs) um i mean if you need like a final straw that's (laughs) i want to be on the team where quentin is not isn't that bad of a straw (laughs) i mean honestly cannot blame them um, they, um, have some sort of tension with teenage Jean Grey when the, uh, you know, when Hank summons the original teen X-Men from the past to come and talk to Scott, a normal approach to conflict resolution, as we all know. <laughs> um, they kind of clash with teen Jean. Uh, which, I mean, they do have Emma's DNA, so I guess it was sort of inevitable. Um, also, like, I feel like there's two options for telepaths. One is like, oh, 
I feel you, and we are both, like, just kind of gonna vibe, or I hate this. <laughs> Can you imagine if, like, telepaths just got a headache every time they were in contact with each other, so they were just super irritable every time? Yeah, that that's why they all fight so much. It's yeah. because, like, they're just constantly emitting low-level, like, migraine waves. Yeah, and then, like, like they start getting irritated and snapping, and the other one's already, like, irritated, so they start snapping back, and it just turns into, like, a whole thing. And it's like, I don't know why you keep fighting with Gene. Like, you guys don't, like, you're not diametrically opposed. And it's like, we just feel bad to be around her. <laughs> Every little thing just sets us up. Like, when you're overstimulated and you're like, I am going, if I hear one more noise, except it's psychic. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 psychic noise. Um, In the Laura Kinney Wolverine book, um, there's a storyline where the three of them, um, like, contact one of the, like, genetic specialists who helped, uh, basically create Laura to try and genetically recreate, uh, Esme and Sophie. And, uh, it goes, uh, it goes badly. Uh -oh. Um, the, uh... The bodies that are created for them um, start, like, deteriorating. And Esme, uh, once again, <laughs> takes control of the hive mind for evil purposes and kills Sophie, makes it look like an accident, and then, like, demands that they put her in uh, Gabby's body instead. Uh... Gabby, Laura's sort of, uh, sister, <laughs> complicated, um, <laughs> complicated clone sibling things, you know how it is. Um, Gabby, Honey Badger, Kinney. So, uh, Esme, um, starts trying to, like, basically control all four of them. To try and like put her consciousness into Gabby's body. Somehow, um, Laura ends up with like being sort of like possessed by Sophie. And Sophie explains to her, she's like, okay, Esme, uh, is unhinged. <laughs> um, and did in fact kill me. Uh, and she just wants to basically like control like all of the siblings, and, uh, they're able to reveal this, um, to the other cuckoos who managed to kind of, like, reassert control, like, psychically remove Esme's consciousness from, uh, Gabby's body and, you know, banish, <laughs> banish the, the, the two of them back to the afterlife, I guess. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of, uh, just, just, we, just, you know, 
just weird little psychic things. I'm surprised that, like, with the psychic hive mind thing, that they haven't been like, oh, yeah, uh, Sophie and, um, Esme are still there, and sometimes they can, like, hijack one of the other cuckoos and be all like, hey, Sophie here, bad idea. Anyway, bye! And, like, recess think... back into, like, the telepathic miasma between them. I mean, honestly, I think that would be a lot more fun than the nonsense they're, uh, currently pulling. Or just just keep coming up with new ways to pull. Apparently, um, as of current, presently, with, uh, Krakoa stuff, Sophie and Esme are, like, properly back to life. Um, and there don't seem to have been any issues with that. Um, which I, um, I'm all for, you know, redemption and second chances and things. I don't know how much they actually touched on the fact that one of the five of them was just, like, mega evil. I know that for the Hellfire Gala, they were all wearing the same outfit, except four of them were in white, and then I'm assuming it's Esme who was wearing black, and I'm like, this is oh, okay. good, so actually. You, so you know which one's the evil quintuplet <laughs> when you look at them. The Stepford Cuckoos are, like, picking their outfits, and they're like, we should all wear the same thing, right? And Esme's like, we should wear black. And they're like, how about you wear black? And she's like, you know how what? Fair. How about you wear black? You can be the goth sister. <laughs> She's like, I'm not evil anymore. I'm just I'm I'm just gonna be goth. I'm just gonna express myself in fashion. Yeah, I'm just edgy. <laughs> and I'm gonna I don't want to do like murder or world domination or anything. I'm I'm just gonna I'm just... like suggest it, but know that like 90% of the time I am joking. Yeah. But like it's every... just for fun. I I am going to, like, every time we're trying to fix a problem, I am going to suggest murder. But, you know, if you guys want to do the murder, like, I'm with you. But, you know, <sighs> if you don't, that's fine, too. But I am going to suggest it every single time. <laughs> it is It is going to be my first option. Um, but, yeah, that's, um, that's where they are now. I do... Um, I do love them, obviously. I love I love the spooky Emma Frost clones. <laughs> um I think like I think you a, a lot of the times when they like show up just sort of briefly in like X-Men books, it's just sort of to like be kind of ominous and then leave. Um and I think there is a lot of like actually interesting stuff you can do with them. Um but I love them. I love that Emma is attached to them. Instead, they're just like, how about we just pretend that they're a Greek chorus? Yeah, which sometimes you do want a Greek chorus. Yeah. And, you know, when you have three to five young women who can all speak at the same time, why not Greek chorus it? Yeah, think about that. But, uh... They are pretty fun. They're a fun concept. They're a, they're a very Grant Morrison fun concept. Thank you, Grant Morrison. Yep, thanks uh thanks for another one, buddy. 
Um, was there anything else that you wanted to add and or any comics? I know you've been uh, moving. Yeah, I have not read anything. I keep telling myself, like, well, you could read digital comics. And then my brain's like, hmm, I mean, we could. Yeah, I also, like, I'm trying to, like, read more digital stuff and, like, take stuff out from the library when I can. Um... But I I think I've said this before, I've, like, had a hard time finding a digital interface that I like as much as, like, reading a physical comic. And I think that's just inevitable. Like, it's always going to feel different. Yeah. Especially with, you know, an extremely visual medium. Like, read reading just a, a prose book digitally doesn't feel that different from no, reading it I, physically. I think, I think it's like a overstimulation thing. Like, I yeah. get overstimulated way faster reading comics digitally, which is probably, like, because of the light and also the way that my eyes have to track a computer screen versus, like, a book. So yeah. I, I do try to read uh, print comics as much as I can. Although... I should um read keep reading New Mutants to the point where I have it in print so that when I unpack my books and I pull out my New Mutant books I can read them <laughs> or I should go back, you know, flashback to remember when I was reading a bunch of uh 80s DC comics, I could go back to that, yeah. never finished those. <laughs> <laughs> They're still out there. I just um, keep burning myself on digital comics, and then I'm like, I don't want to read. <laughs> I refuse. I'm looking away. Um, I did um pick up some uh some physical comics though. Ooh. Um, yes, I got uh a couple. So I bought the first issue of House of Slaughter, even though. I haven't read Something is Killing the Children yet, um, and I'm gonna, I act, I did put it on hold at the library, the first volume of it, but I saw, like, I saw, I saw the art from House of Slaughter, and I saw this goddamn character design, and I was like, oh no, I gotta read, <laughs> I, I gotta read about the gay boys at assassin school. <laughs> Fair. Um, cursed, cursed by this. Um, cursed by these vibes. I, um, also, this, this boy, he's like a, he's, he's like a teen assassin, and he has a cane, and my six of crows ass <laughs> is just doomed. Simply doomed. Um, and I also bought, um, a thing called Truth. For, the title of the comic is A Thing Called Truth. Yeah. It's not. Um, I bought thing this thing. Truth. It's called Truth. <laughs> yeah. Um, from Image Comics, which I d was obligated to do because one of the main characters is a chaotic lady scientist. Oh, well, um, of course. <laughs> well, of course. This, like, just, just really covering all my bases. Um, Murder Boy with Kane. 
chaotic lady scientist. <laughs> um, and it's it's very cute. It's like a little bit um a little bit like overly like kind of like whoa chaotic and wacky like in this first issue, but I do enjoy it. I think this character is very fun. Um, this uh also out this week were the first issue of Human Target, uh the new Tom King miniseries, uh focusing on the titular Human Target, but also largely on the JLI. So like I do need to pick it up. I just yeah. I'm I'm hesitant to go to the comic book store before I move because I'm like. Well, if I buy anything, where am I gonna put it? That's that's so fair. Uh, I really, really like the art. I'm very excited for a kind of like retro vibe, like murder mystery. Um, Strange Adventures was also like a little bit of sort of a mystery series, uh, which I think was good. Like, I think Tom King is good at writing mysteries, and. I'm also just very excited to see the JLI kids, you know, because look at them. Um, and also the first issue of Batman Dark Knights of Steel, uh, which I did pick up and am pretty uh, pretty stoked about. Uh, I do want to say... I, uh, just for the record, <laughs> I definitely had, like, fanfic concepts when I was in high school about, like, oh, what if, like, the, like, you know, super family was, like, royalty and the bat family was their, like, you know, like, trusted, like, retainers, like, bodyguards sort of thing. Um... So Tom Taylor should pay me <laughs> for my great ideas that I never told him about, but I did have them in my brain. Olivia, um, this just means that you're psychically linked with Tom Taylor. <laughs> me and Tom Taylor are part of a psychic hive mind. <laughs> I mean, on, given the stuff that's happening in Nightwing, it seems plausible. <laughs> <laughs> are you secretly a clone of Tom Taylor? That, maybe... Um, me, me reading Tom Taylor's Nightwing just feels very, like, that one comic of, like, the little, like, stick figure people that's like, I made this. Yeah. You made this? I made this. <laughs> just, like, me reading Nightwing, like, I made this. <laughs> Olivia reading a comic. Did I write this? <laughs> <laughs> Olivia, um, if you're Tom Taylor, you have to tell me, otherwise it's entrapment. <laughs> it's the law. <laughs> um but uh Dark Knights of Steel is very cool. I'm um excited uh excited to see where it goes. I did I did buy this one digitally because my comic book store was sold out of it by the time I went there, but I might try and see if I can find it somewhere else because I really want that one variant cover that's got Clark with like a the D &D like step. a D and D character sheet. Damn, maybe um maybe I mmm I don't think I'm really doing anything today. Maybe I pop over to the comic store and see if I have it somewhere. 
<laughs> Somewhere in there. Somewhere um, in there. Maybe I'll like, mm. Because I still have... I'm sorry, Olivia. I still have comics that I keep meaning to mail to you, but I am one. I on a normal day, I'm very bad at mailing things to people, and also, How? it it's behind a box of stuff, so I don't see it, so I forget about it. <laughs> How dare you not mail me the nice things you bought for me out of the goodness of your heart? Our friendship is over. No, what does this mean for the podcast? Would we still be able to do this podcast if we weren't friends? We do the podcast and then as soon as the episode's <laughs> over, we just do not speak to each other. <laughs> we 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 do the podcast for years and then it's revealed that we were never friends. <laughs> We actually can't stand each other. It's like we, Fleetwood Mac. We're hired artists. We don't get along. We're, we're, we're getting paid to pretend that we're friends. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon and give us money to act friendly to each other. Gus, that would be wild. It would be like a scripted yeah. YouTube that's pretending to be a normal YouTube. But also, there's like... Olivia, could we have an enemies to friends arc? Hey, that okay. So the 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 storyline of the podcast <laughs> is that we're on we're, we're fake friends. On mic, we're yes. yes. On mic, we're fake friends, and then there's a meta storyline mm -hmm. where behind the scenes we're actually slowly becoming real friends after yes. hating each other. Yes, initially we hate each other so much, but we put that aside to do our jobs because we are professionals. And then slowly over the podcast, we're like, hey, you actually have pretty good opinions on comics, and I want to talk to you a little bit more about these comics. And then, oh, hey, we actually have opinions in common about other things. Oh hey, are we friends now? Hey, that would be that's join us. Join us for our next project, <laughs> a a performance art piece where we pretend about us slowly becoming friends. <laughs> the funny thing though is, um, I don't. <laughs> we got along really fast <laughs> when Sam introduced us. Yeah, I would. I would have a very hard time imagining. <laughs> A world where we just hated each other on sight. It would be it would be a, a weird weird wild world indeed. <laughs> uh, but thankfully not the world we currently live in. Um where you where we all live in and where you are listening to our podcast right now. Um Hopefully. So Unless Unless <laughs> Somehow, this podcast is being broadcast across space-time. Maybe across dimensions? Who can across say? Across dimensions. To the dimension where we don't like each other. God, what? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay, okay. In the dimension where we don't like each other, uh -huh. there's a podcast <laughs> with two people that sound exactly like us, and nobody uh -huh. can figure out why... 
Like, nobody knows where this podcast is coming from. It just shows up on people's feeds. By all accounts, it should not exist. And then, like, our friends are like, is this you? And we're like, no. No. I wouldn't record a podcast with them. No, and we don't know each other. And then we, like, somebody puts us in contact with each other and we don't get along and then we keep listening to the podcast and we're like this is hold on could we have what they have <laughs> oh my god and then we become friends <laughs> <laughs> all right um nobody nobody steal this concept for your <laughs> YA novels tm 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 God. Um, <laughs> stay you... tuned. Stay tuned for our very similar comic book. Uh, Tom Taylor's gonna publish a comic book where there's like <laughs> Batman and Superman don't get along, and then there's like a Golden Age comic book style where it's like they're like Batman Superman adventures. Oh my god. <laughs> and Batman's gonna be like, oh, I hate this, and Superman's gonna be like, I want what they have. We're calling it yeah, now. Stay- it is. Yeah. It is. It is November eighth, twenty twenty one, ten fourteen a.m. Pacific. If Tom Taylor <laughs> announces a comic book with this concept, it means that he and Olivia are psychically linked. <laughs> yep. Yep. So <laughs> when. <laughs> When that comic book inevitably comes out and confirms our extremely true and correct theory, you can read all about it by following us on the internet. <laughs> um, Why do we always have such weird energy in morning records? It's just it's just the vibe. It's like when I went to see Venom and then got brunch and I was like, where am I? It's just a it's just a weird vibe. Anyways come come follow us on the internet. Um we are on Twitter, Tumblr, uh Facebook and Instagram at Capes and Japes. You can send us an email to capesandjapes at gmail.com. We have a Discord server (laughs) where you can come in, you can listen to this episode and then come in with that Eggman meme that's like, what are you two fucking talking about? (laughs) Um, We have a uh, Patreon. Uh, We recorded a... uh, early uh, November bonus episode to get ahead of moving and job and you know holiday stuff so you can go listen to our november bonus episode uh if you want to sign up for patreon bloopers (gasps) bloopers you can listen to our blooper reel (laughs) do you want to hear olivia's roommate come home and olivia confess that this is an illegal podcast (laughs) (laughs) you can all that and more um Discord, Patreon, if you uh, can't support us on Patreon, but you want to help out the show, uh, leaving a rating and review (laughs) is a great way to do that. Um, Telling a friend about the show if you think they would be interested in it. 
uh, and just uh, just coming back and joining us as you have done once again today for uh, this very fun episode of Capes and Japes. Um, so thank you for that. I have been Olivia. And I have been Briar. And as always, maybe I'm a clone of Emma Frost. <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> They're out there. You can't prove you're not an Emma Frost clone. I, mm, I'm not blonde, though. <laughs> you never All know. All blondes are clones of Emma Frost. <laughs> confirmed. 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 Uh.